Hey, listen, it's so good to have you here this morning. Um, you picked a great day to, to come to the gathering because today we're kicking off this, this really short two-week series, and it's called Open Mic, and it's my job to explain to you what it's about, kind of what we expect to take place today and next Sunday. Um, let me say this. There is power in testimonies. Um, one thing that I, I believe with all my heart, and it's kind of weird, it's going to be weird for you to hear me say this. If, if, you're, if this is your first time here, um, I, I just, this is who I am. I got to say it like I see it, right? So I think the church is, a we, is weaker in America because out of fear and control, like men have taken the microphone and said, you have to go to school and get a degree so you can have the mic and teach. And now listen, I'm not against, I, that's what I do for a living, right? I'm your, I'm your pastor. I preach most Sundays here. If you look at the Bible, though, here's what you'll find all the way through. Not either or, but both and. Now, there's sermons in the Bible. I don't know if you ever read the story or not, but in the book of Acts, Paul, it says he preached so long that this little teenage boy fell asleep in the window, fell out the window, and died. You think I preach long, right? Come on, people. That's a long sermon. And not only did he preach long that a kid fell asleep and died, but the Bible says that Paul went down, prayed for the kid, raised him back to life, and then went back up and preached until morning. What in the world? So, like, long sermons are in the Bible. Like, we're not, about, we're not saying you should ever preach. But you know what else is in the Bible? All the way through from the Old Testament to the New Testament are the stories of God's people and what he's done in their lives. And here's what I know. Um, if you, you don't have to turn there, but in Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, Paul starts talking a lot about words. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but we talk a lot, don't we? We talk all the time. You talk to your friends all the time. At, at work, when you're supposed to be working, you're talking, right? When you go to Walmart, you're talking. I mean, in line, you're talking. You might be talking to yourself. I've seen people talk to themselves in line at Walmart, funny stuff, right? Like, you can, not only do their, their lips are moving, but you can hear them, and you're just, like, leaning in to hear what they're saying to themselves. Right? We talk all the time. And here's what I've learned. Most of what we say, probably not good. So in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul starts talking about words. He starts saying things like, put away all unwholesome talk from your mouths. He starts talking about the things that we say to one another. He carries it all the way over into chapter 5. And then he writes this in chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Here's what he says. Don't be drunk with wine. Because that will ruin your life. Somebody say amen. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't even like it. So instead, he says, I love this part. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. Or in today's vernacular, spoken word, rap, poetry. Right? Like, like bring something is what he's saying. If you have the NIV, it says speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Making music to the Lord in your hearts. And why do we do that? It says, verse 20, give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what happens when we share our stories. And open mic is all about you. So for the next two weeks, here's what's going to happen. I'm putting the microphone down, and I'm going to sit right there with my wife, and I want to hear what God has done in your life. This is a chance for you to share what he's been doing in your life. Now, some of you are introverted, and you're like, <gasps> Can I just telepathically share it with people, right, without getting out of my chair? But let me tell you what happens when you speak the words out loud. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, if you were raised in church, then you've heard this passage. And you've heard, this is where Isaiah said, I saw the Lord 
And he was high lifted. And then, like, the angel brought a coal and touched my lips. And I said, whoa, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then he wraps it all up with, here am I, send me. But here's the part of that story that I really want you to get this morning. There are these um, beings in Isaiah 6, and they're called living creatures, and they never die. That's why they're called living creatures. See how that works? And they are, like, massive. Like, I don't know the biggest dude you've ever seen coming out of a gym, but, like, a really big dude that makes you kind of go, whoa. These creatures are so much bigger than that. And here's what it says that they say all the time, one thing. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the Bible says that when they, that's a testimony, by the way. When we talk about how holy God is, that's a testimony. Some of us, the only testimonies we've ever heard are these. Satan's so big and powerful, and he's got me, I'm, I'm almost dead, and I, I'm barely making it. I, like, that might be a story, but a testimony is my God is bigger than that. He's holy. And when we start talking about how great God is, the book of Isaiah says that the, it shook the temple. The temple began to shake. And so some of you have things that are holding on to you, right? Like uh, thought patterns, sin patterns, whatever, um, bad playlists in your mind. Like we've got things that hold on to us and we feel like we'll never get rid of them. Hebrews says it's the sin that so easily entangles us. And you know how that thing shakes loose from us? The church starts to tell the church what a big God the church has. And when we do that, the temple starts to shake. And those addictions that have hold on us, they start to kind of shake loose a little bit. And so here's what I believe. I believe that the church has a voice. The reason that we don't have, have ever heard the church's voice is because paid professionals hold on to the mic so tightly and don't let the church have a voice. And so we're giving you a voice to share with us what the Lord has done. And here's what's going to happen. Um, I know we have two that have, have agreed to come. And then after they're finished, if you want to share, you can as well. Here's what's going to happen as they're sharing. Two things. We believe this. This is, a, this is one of our core values. We value your story and believe that we believe that when you share your story, God receives glory and others receive grace. And so as people are sharing their testimonies, here's what you're going to experience. One, you're going to be like, dang, God, that's awesome. You, I can't believe you. What? You did, I've read it, but you did it. What? That's the, that's the first thing. The second thing you're going to experience is like, oh, they're talking about me. And you're going to be tempted to drop your head. But I'm telling you right now, if somebody gets up here and starts sharing a testimony that is your story as well, it's because the Holy Spirit is full of grace, and he wants to give it to you. And he's going to use their testimony to let you know that if God can do it for them, he can do it for you. And you're going to be able to receive that grace this morning, okay? So when you hear parts of these stories that resonate with you, don't give in to the temptation to hang your head and hide. Just... Tell God, thank you that you put me here today to hear this story, right? All right, I've talked way too much. It's time for me. I was just filling all that time in so that Craig could get ready in the back because Craig's going to come first, so you guys got to give it up for Craig. A gathering welcome. Come on, give it up. So, so I'm breaking protocol a little bit. It's not exactly a testimony that I would like to share, but this morning when I was getting ready early, the, the Lord sort of... Uh, had a real conversation with me. And have you ever had a real conversation with the Lord? Um, and, and you'll see what I mean as we get into it a little bit here. But um, as a believer, you know, sometimes we go through difficult times. We go through challenging places. We go through um, areas where it's like, man, why, you know, I'm trying to serve God. Why, why is this happening? Why am I in this place? And the Lord this morning, like I said, when I was getting ready, he, he asked me a, a, a question. Um, 
he, well, he started off with a statement. He said, Craig, you really don't understand about my love like you think you do. You really don't understand about how I work like you think you do. And I'm like, you know, just sort of like this. I'm quietly listening. <laughs> yes, Lord, okay, teach me. And he asked me a question. He said, think about the story of Job. Did I bless Job? And I'm like, well, yeah, at the end, God, I mean, you know, you restored everything that was taken away. I mean, you, you definitely blessed him. He said, no, you're wrong. He said, I blessed him through every part of that story. He said, everything that happened that I allowed to happen, I was blessing him. And I'm like, again, just having a real honest conversation, God, I don't really understand how take, allowing his children to be taken away could in any way be a blessing. And he took me back to a place. I used to work at the hospital years ago, and I, I'm an IT guy, but I was thinking, hey, it may be cool to be a, a surgeon one day. And so um, I had a friend that was a surgeon. He gave me the opportunity to actually scrub in a surgery. Well, while I'm in the operating room, you know, and, and we're seeing all these new things that I'm not typically exposed to in my job, but the Lord took me back to that place. He said, what's the first thing I did what's, to, to do the surgery on that patient? What was the first thing they did? And I was like, well, they, they had to cut him open. You know, they had, they had to actually cut good tissue to get to the problem area that they were going to fix. And God said, that's right. That, that's how I work. He said, you can't just go and get to the problem area sometimes because it's buried deep. Sometimes you have to cut away. Sometimes you have to, to dig in. It's, it's a painful process sometimes. But he said, I didn't in any way shy away from the, the blessing process, even during those painful times, even during those difficult times. It is still me doing my work in your life. And so it, it, sometimes, just want to encourage you, sometimes you may encounter those places where it's like, God, why? Why? Just rest assured, he's got your best interest at heart. Thank you. So I'm just going to be a facilitator. Is that cool with you guys? I'm not going to try to add to what is said because this is about y'all, not me. Um, so what I want to do is I want to help apply what we hear. I told you God receives glory, and we receive grace when people tell their stories. So how many of you, and, and you're going to have to interact if you're comfortable, just raise your hand because we're going to pray for you. How many of you can relate to that testimony? Specifically, you've got things happening in your life right now that don't feel good, but like that word is, hey, God's always good. He's always blessing you getting to the problem. Anybody here like, I don't understand what's going on, but hands up. Will you keep them up for just a second? I'm hoping that there's somebody near you that can put their hand on your shoulder. Um, by the way, if you're here for the first time, this is kind of how we roll, right? We don't like people to do church alone. We think that's crazy. You should always be in community. And so um, if you're near somebody that's got their hand up, just stick your hand on their shoulder. And uh, we're going to pray that the word that Craig just shared would be real in your life. So, Father, in your name, Jesus, uh, thank you for that testimony. What an amazing thought. It never feels good to be cut and yet sometimes, God, you're doing that so you can get to the real problem that would honestly kill us from the inside out. And so we want to say, first of all, that we're, we're going to trust you to be the great physician, the doctor. You know our soul. You know the hurts we have. And so um, for these that raise their hands, Lord, the situations that are in their lives right now, I know those situations may not change right away. What I'm asking is that you would change their perspective. Thank you for the gift of Craig's testimony, what you showed him this morning, that just shifts our perspective just enough to know that while we might not understand the process, we can definitely trust the physician. 
And for that, we give you thanks in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. See how that works? You're, I know what you're thinking. You're like, that's so much better than any of Paul's preaching ever. It probably is. Um, Shannon, you ready? Shannon's coming. Come on, big gathering welcome as Shannon comes up to share. Good morning. Um, it is very bright up here. Okay, my name is Shannon Spate. Um, I've been going to the gathering five or six years. I don't really um, remember. Um, but during first service, um, God just kind of laid on my heart to share a little bit um, about identity and what identity um, means to us um, and the world, of course, identifies with us as well. Um, I Googled just kind of what the world definition for identity is, and it says who or what a person is. Um, but we also need to remember what our identity is in Christ, um, and that is what God created us to be. Um, two years ago, actually yesterday, it was two years ago, um, my identity was ripped like a piece of paper. Um, and I remember going through that process um, I kept telling myself, this is just Satan. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. To steal, kill, and destroy. That's why I kept telling myself. And he did. At times, I allowed him to win. Um, he stole my joy. Um, there were times that I just, I thought, you know, if I were just to give up, would anybody care? Um, what would my family say when they came home? Um, so, as far as the steal and the kill, and then destroy, Satan at times destroyed my relationship with God. Um, God, why, why are you allowing me to go through this? Um, I haven't done anything to have gone through this, or that's, that was my take on it. Um, so I, I, continued, I continued in prayer. I was like, God, you know, show me why, why am I having to go through this? Um, before that time, I worked with abused children. My job was to um, work with kids who had been sexually abused, physically abused, and kids um, where there were fatalities. And I remember now when looking back how God's put this in a full circle for me that a case would come through and it would be drug-related or it would be, you know, a child sexually abused. That's how I identified those people who did that. I identified them as they're a sex abuser. They are a drug user. They are, um, they beat their wife. Whatever it was, that's how I, as a Christian, looked at those people. And I didn't get past that because it was my job to protect that child from that abuser. Um, so two years ago when my identity was mistaken, I thought this is what these people are looking at me as, as the, as the things that they are being told. That's how they're relating to me, and that's not who I am. So during my study, I had to remember that I'm a child of God. And that he created me. And that I was not what those people were saying that I was. Um, so today I stand here and I want to share with you that whatever has happened to you, whatever you've done, it's not your identity. Because today you can leave knowing that your identity is in him. Um, you don't have to be what happened to you when you were a kid. You don't have to be what you're allowing to come into your life now. You can let that go um, and let God take over that um, because he created you, and he created you to be his. He did not create you to go um, through 
and use the drugs you may be using or abusing or whatever it is, whatever sin you're allowing in. That's not what he created you for. He created you to be his and to do his work. Um, so in full circle, tomorrow, I've, I've been out of my job for two years, um, and I've been home with my girls. And tomorrow I'm going back into um, the world of DSS. Y'all don't shoot me. Um, and working part-time um, from home so that I can still be with my children. But my prayer now is, Lord, whatever case is you're handing to me, don't let me look at them like I did before. Let me look at them as now I can sit in my home and I can pray over them so that they will know who their identity is in Christ. Um, and that's a blessing now being able to see that. That's a blessing that now I'm allowing those cases in my home. I'm allowing those things in my home um, so that when they're taken out of my home, they're not the same anymore. So thank you guys. Uh, don't raise your hand, but um, if you've ever been through the crazy world of DSS, I just want to say I'm glad that there's going to be light there, you know, so um, thank you. As you were sharing that, talking about identity, um, and just, you know, two years ago, all that you went through and kind of having that ripped, the, what I heard, the verse that came to my mind is Psalm 34, 17 and 18. Here's what it says. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help, and he rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Um, so nothing will crush your spirit more than losing your identity. It's just, it's a weight you can't get past. And so if you're here this morning and, and that testimony resonates with you, especially in the areas of identity, and then I love how he has, I know you're not a finished product, but I love how he's worked in you, not just the strength to run away, but like now he's strengthened you to the point that you're actually going to go, you're going back, and you're going back different than before because you're going back with the real identity of who you are. Um, there's a verse in the Bible, I can't think of it right now, that says um, that God wants to make us fruitful in the land of our affliction. That's really good news for you guys that are students in Albemarle trying to get out. He wants to make you fruitful in the land of your affliction. Like if you can be fruitful here, he can use you anywhere, right? Um, so you're going to be fruitful in the land of what was your affliction, and I'm so excited for that. Who here can relate to that, to identity, and like you feel like, man, my spirit's crushed? Anybody? I'm just looking to see. Raise your hand high. Raise it high. Shannon, look around. That's why you shared your testimony right there, those hands. Okay, let's pray. Put your hand on their shoulder if you're near them, if they put their hand up. Father, right now, God, I thank you that you see us. The Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It says in Ephesians 2.10 that we were created for a purpose. We're your masterpiece. You, you actually made us specifically for good works that you have prepared for us to do. You could not have set us up for success anymore than you already have. And it all hinges on knowing who we are in you. And so I thank you for uh, just stirring Shannon's heart to share with us about what you've done in her life. And so for these that have raised their hands, we just speak that grace over them now in your name, Jesus, that they would know the freedom that comes 
from knowing who they are in you. They are your children, masterpieces. You have positioned them with purpose right where you want them to be. I pray that tomorrow morning they would wake up and step differently because they're stepping in destiny. We thank you for it. In your name, Jesus, amen. I heard this phrase a while back. It's not my phrase. Um, but what the phrase I heard was, your past may explain you, but it will never define you. That's really good. Makes me wish I thought of it. So here's what's going to happen, right? Listen, this is really important. Um, so these are the two that asked me about sharing, and beyond them, nobody has. And so what's going to happen now is I'm going to set the microphone down. And, and uh, man, if you want, you feel like God told you to come share something, man, by all means, come grab this mic and um, hold it up close to your mouth and say it, tell us who you are. Um, here's what I believe, that if, if God has put a voice in the church, then we need to pick the mic up and say it. If we don't ever speak the truth, it'll never get out. There's a verse in Jeremiah that says that his word has become like a fire shut up in my bones and then the next statement is, I'm weary from holding it in. You know why the church is tired? It's not because you need a better preacher. It's because you need to start doing some better preaching. You're tired because you're not letting the word out. What he's done is in you. You need to let it come out. So um, I'm cool with that if you're cool with that. We'll see what happens. Anybody want to come share? Come on. I didn't even get to lay the mic down. I didn't even get to put it down. They turned it off so I could put it down, and then you're coming. This is Taylor. Everybody say, hey, Taylor. Okay, I'm like super nervous because I wasn't planning anything, but the Holy Spirit was just like all up in my stomach, felt like butterflies. Um, deep breath. Okay, um, I guess I just want to share like a little testimony. So um, God like kind of was drawing me ever since I was 15 and I dated a guy, which clearly didn't work out because I'm married to Cody. Um, but I was, that's when I really started, which I love Cody. Cody's my soulmate. But um, that's when I really started going to church and finding out about God. And um, I didn't really understand God because I never really had my dad in my life. So I didn't, I kind of looked at my relationship with my dad like my relationship with God. And um, I always had my grandpa as my dad. And um, this is going to be real short because I am kind of nervous. But um, I always tried to have a relationship with my dad. And he's a good man, but he, it was like until I got a certain age, I would just go over there every other weekend. And I always wondered, like, I was angry at God, especially after my grandpa died, because he was, he was my dad. And I'm like, for a while, I wondered, like, why couldn't that have been my real dad? And that's so wrong to even think. Um, and now I've got to the point where um, December 13th, I think 2015, I, I got saved and I know God is my father now. I still struggle with that because, like, my dad didn't come to my wedding. But um, I'm able to love him where he is, even though I don't understand. And um, I, I probably won't ever understand. But growing up, I tried to find, um, I looked for, I guess, security in, in men when I should have been looking for it in God. And um, I'm just, I'm thankful for what all God's done in me and shown me his love and it's it's been awesome so that's it she said that was a piece of cake and all of you should try it i think that's what she just said um 
thank you for sharing that. That's courage. Um, you know the song, Good, Good Father? Do you know that song? Do you ever sing it and think, are you sure if it's really true? So we have a, this has been known as the fatherless generation. And so we talk a lot about God as a father, and that can be really hard for people that haven't experienced that. Um, you here, I love the end of your story. It's like I'm married and like God's coming through and all that stuff. But, man, that angst of, I mean, they keep, this dude keeps saying God's a father, and I don't even know what that looks like because I don't even know a dad. That's a real struggle for not just some people but most people in our country. Um, can we pray for that? If you're here, um, and, and hey, that sounds like, oh, he's talking to the teenagers. Uh, not necessarily. I know people that are like in their 70s that are still struggling with the fact that they never really had a relationship with their father. Um, if you're here and that's you, can we just pray for you? I'm saying that's me. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Yeah, a couple of hands. If you got your hand up, we just leave it up there and let somebody just put their hand on your shoulder, and we're just going to pray. Um, I'm going to pray that the next time you hear that song, You'll be like, wow, that's crazy. Like, I could tell um, my story, and it's not about me, but I, our dad wasn't super, super affectionate. We knew he loved us, but, like, not a lot of hugging and stuff like that. So, I mean, I can honestly say as your pastor, I don't feel the love of God as much as I wish I did, but I know that it's real. And so I'm going to pray that for you. Father, in your name, Jesus, we just ask now that um, you would be a good father. You, well, you are a good father. What I'm praying now is that those of us in the room that maybe have struggled in that area, and, man, that pain is real. It's, and the enemy wants to use that pain to keep us from you. He wants to convince us that we're not good enough, that if we had just been better, our dad would still be here. And that is a lie from hell. We're not responsible for that choice. And so, God, I pray against that lie right now. I thank you for all of the times that Scripture calls you our Father. All of the times that you convince us that you are the perfect Father. And so we just refuse, God, to allow what we've seen here on earth to define who we think you are. And so I speak um, acceptance, God, right now in the room to those in, that would raise their hand and say, you know, I, I need that. I don't know, I don't know who, who I even am because I never really had that voice of a dad speaking into my life. God, I speak your words into that void now, and I thank you that you call us sons and daughters. I think of the times that Jesus would heal women and call them daughter. You're always reclaiming us back to family. You promised that you would turn the hearts of the fathers back to the hearts of the children. And so I also pray for those of us in the room who still can see the relationships with our dads reconciled. I'm praying that you would finish that story. And that we would have our own testimony someday of how you changed that relationship and brought good from what the enemy meant for harm. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. We got time for one or two more. If yeah, oh, so Taylor's husband, Cody, is coming. She's so glad you're her husband. Like that, that, that other guy, man, whatever. Come on. Come on up. Everybody give Cody a big hand.
if you ever get up here, that light is so bright. So um, I promised Taylor because the Lord was pulling her up here, um, and the Lord was pulling me. So she said, if you do it, I'll do it. So um, I'm going to make it real quick. Um, I was reminded I love to run, and uh, I was reminded right after I got home from Teen Challenge last year, I was running down um, Old Country Road, and one day I was running, I just found all these dead snakes, and I hate snakes, man. I, it's like they find me, but um, I was running. I mean, there was literally hundreds of dead snakes on this road, and thank God they were dead, and I was just, you know, as I was running, I was running back down the road. I got to thinking about that, and God had just brought it back up to me. You know, in this, uh, in this life, it's like a race, or it's like a marathon, really, and the Bible calls us to run with perseverance. But a lot of times we're going to encounter the enemy, but we've got to remember that the enemy's head's already crushed. And though they may be there, they're already dead. So, um, you know, I, just, I know I get attacked a lot. Um, the enemy's always trying to take my identity, as Miss uh, Shannon was saying today. Um, and, you know, I've been struggling with that myself lately. But I've got to remind myself that it is finished when Jesus said it was finished and the enemy's head's crushed. And the same power that lives on the inside of me is the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. So just be encouraged because we're Christians. I mean, we, you know, we have the Savior in us, and the enemy don't like that, but he's already defeated. And uh, just you know, be encouraged. Thank you. Thanks, uh, These are so bright. I'm always doing this so you can, I can see you. Who in here is under attack right now? Raise your hand. Spiritually under attack. There's a fly. It's attacking me. Would you raise your hand a little bit higher? Sweet. Um, anybody else? You want prayer? So here's the question I was going to ask. Here's how you know if you're under attack. If I could right now snap my fingers and we could build a wall so big around you that you would never get hurt by whatever's attacking you, how many of you would say, I'm in on that? Anybody? That's how you know you're under attack, right? Because you want that to stop. So we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray because that attack comes all the time. And the Bible talks about him being um, our rear guard. He protects us on the right and the left. He's in front of us. He gives us armor. He's all about protecting us. Not to keep us out of the fight, but in the fight, he wants to protect us. So one more time, raise your hand if you're under attack. Like, now that you define it that way, me, right? (laughs) And if you're near that person, put your hand on their shoulder, and we're going to pray right now. Father, you are, and I love this about you, you are our warrior king. I mean, the pictures in the Bible about you being up on a horse. I don't like horses, but you ride them well, and you're always, you lead us into battle. This imagery is all through the Bible. You are our warrior king. You're not fighting for a throne. You've got a throne. And so, God, you lead us in victory. That's what it says in Corinthians. Paul says that you always lead us in triumph. And the thing is, sometimes if we're honest, it doesn't feel like we're winning. But we know that you have won. And so I I love just the, the simple confidence in Cody's testimony. We have to remind ourselves that you won. And that because you won and because you've called us your sons and your daughters, because we've trusted in what you did on the cross, because we're in your family, we're also a part of your army, which means we win. And so we just declare the victory, God, over these that raise their hands. I'm praying very specifically and very practically that by this time next week, they would be walking in here 
ready to give a testimony about how they saw your victorious hand in this situation this week. Do it today, God. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Good stuff. I'm trying to swat a fly. That's terrible. Um, anybody else? We've got, yeah. oh, the, say, ladies first. Come on, Wendy. He says, Wendy, give Wendy a big hand as she's coming to the front. Um, my name is Wendy, and um, I'm nervous right now. But two years ago, life as I knew it for 30 years, it just all ended. I was faced with a divorce that I did not want. And one of my friends said, just hold on, girl. Take it one hour, one day, one month. And as it progressed, I'm at the two-year mark. And I ask every day, God, why is it so easy for another human being to throw somebody away? What, what did I do? What did I do? To make somebody that you had been married to for 30 years throw you away. And I would look at myself every day and say, you know, what did I do? Why me? Why me? And as a time, I thought, you know what the Lord said? It's not you. It's nothing that, that you did. And every day I, I, I still struggle with that. And my oldest son, he's going through a divorce himself. But he was sitting on the porch a couple of weeks ago. And then my, that, that moment just hit when he looked over at his friend and he said, Do you see this woman? That's my mama. And she's always the glue that held this family together. And then I just said, well, thank you, Lord, because at that moment, it just told on me that I'm worthy. I'm worthy for somebody to love me. And that I don't have to, I don't have to go and make people Trying to love me. I am who I am. I'm who God made. And if you're going through it, and when you look at that other person, and that person says, I don't want to work on this. I don't want to fix it. And it's nothing that you've done. Then it's okay to move on. And in one of your messages about divorce, you know, I had a hard time with that, but God helped me to see that I can, I can go on, I'm lovable, and I can love again. And it's been a, it's been a struggle, and, it, and it, sti it still is. Just I just want to be the person that, that God wants me to be. 
And, and I know that when you're faced with that, if people's never faced it, they don't understand how, how you feel. When it's, 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 just, it's just God. He's the only one. He is the only one that can see, that can see you through it. And I'm okay if, until I draw my last breath, if God doesn't send someone my way, then I'm okay with that because I only need him. I don't need, I don't need that because I thought, how am I going to face this world alone? But I'm not alone. I am absolutely not alone. And it's good. It's good. I can, I can say, hey, I'm happy. I'm happy with the way things, things are going. And, hey, I'm just me, and that's all I'm ever going to be. And as long as I can, you know, God's okay with, with, with how I'm doing things, then I, just, I, can, wish, I can wish my ex-husband a good life. I was afraid the anger was going to come in, and I would have the anger in my life and would never be able to feel anything again. But the anger never came. <laughs> the, the, the anger never came. And I still, it's just amazing. God's amazing. He's just. Um, let me just say this from the, the, the series that Wendy's talking about, just so you can hear this, because I know divorce is a huge issue, and everybody can relate to it in some form or fashion. So the statement that I made is this, that God, the Bible says God hates divorce, and God does hate divorce because divorce hurts people and God loves people. Um, now, Wendy, I need to read this over you. Now, um, and all of you who, can, who, who relate to that, so um, divorce, I've not, I can't relate to that, but rejection, that's real, right? Feeling like you've been rejected is real. Listen, I'm going to read this, and I'm going to make a statement that's going to sound a little bit weird. First Peter chapter 2. Peter writes this, You were coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you were living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you're his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him, but for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they don't obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Wendy, this is your verse right here. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, which is what you just did, for, the, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We think we sang about that this morning, didn't we? Here's the statement that's going to sound a little bit weird. Everything I just read is amazing. God builds really good things on what looks like the foundation of rejection. Because that's how the whole thing started. 
Men rejected Jesus, but God chose him to build a foundation for a great work that would impact our lives and the world for many, many years. He builds amazing things on what looks like the foundation of rejection. And so I'm going to pray for you, Wendy, and for anybody else in the room that would raise their hand and say, that was my testimony this morning. I related to that one. Divorce, rejection, whatever. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me? Anybody here? All right. Yes. You can put it up. It's good. It's all good. It's a safe place, right? Uh, We're going to pray right now for, um, I mean, there's some power in being chosen, isn't there? I didn't, like middle school, I, I tell you all the time, like in middle school, I, I get cho- chosen for teams. I was the last one there, like, just give me Paul, right? That's not being chosen. That's like, what, that's like the consolation prize. God didn't do that with you. He didn't say, ah, just give me Wendy. He chose you. He chose you. He chose you. I just preached about this this past Wednesday in our special needs chapel that I do once a week about being chosen. There's power in that. He chose you. So raise your hand if that's you. We're going to pray for you right now, Father. In your name, Jesus, thank you for Wendy and her testimony. Thank you for the courage it takes to get up here and share that. For what you've done in her life since then, we thank you for that, Lord. And I I pray now for those of us in the room that have struggled with and are struggling with rejection from from others, God. I'm praying that we would see in light of this scripture that we just read, that even when man rejects us, all that matters... All that matters is that God chooses us. And if you choose us, man, you can build amazing things on what looks like the foundation of rejection. You did it for Jesus. Men rejected him. They said, we're not building our life on him, but he became the cornerstone, the most important part of the building. And then you went on to say, and we're like that too, living stones Wendy is a living stone. Those in this room that raise their hands, they are living stones in Christ. You've chosen us a royal priesthood, a holy nation chosen by you to declare the greatness of our God who called us out of darkness into wonderful light. And so the people of God in the room today, we're wrapping this whole thing up, God, on that testimony We say amen. Let it be so in our lives. In your name, Jesus, amen. Now, here's the deal. Some of you are like, I should have volunteered sooner. That's why we're doing it again next week. Okay, so next Sunday we're coming back doing the exact same thing. If you want to share something like um, a rap, I know you're hoping I'll rap. If you want to share a, a, a song or anything like that, anything that we need to get prepared for, go to our website, thegatheringnow.com. The first image you see is that microphone you've been staring at. Click it. There's a form that you can fill out so that we can be prepared to help you tell your story. You don't have to sign up in order to share. Uh, next Sunday we'll do it all again. Make sure that you see the people that share testimonies and tell them thank you. And listen, this is super important. I know you're grabbing all your stuff. But the people that shared their testimonies this morning, here's what we know. The minute that you step into the spotlight to shine a light on Jesus, the enemy goes, ah, I see that. And he wants to make you a target. And so I want to close this morning praying over the people that shared their testimony because um, y'all going to step into it this week. <laughs> you know that's going to happen, right? 
like, what did I just share at church and what is happening right now? So if you're near somebody, raise your hand if you shared a testimony. If you're near them, would you just touch them really quick and let's just pray for them and we're going to get out of here. Father, as we, as we leave, we just want to pray over our brothers and our sisters. We are in the fight with them. And we know, because I've done this long enough, that the minute we start to give you glory for victory, the enemy tries to take it away every single time. I think about all the times I went to youth camp, and you did amazing things in the lives of teenagers, and it just took five minutes in the van on the way home, and it was gone. The enemy's always ready to come and try to steal our joy. But, God, we fight with them, we stand with them, and we just pray protection over them, God, that their minds would be attuned to your word, that they would never buy the lie that what they shared on this platform is not real because it is. And so we rejoice with them over the glory that you've received. Thank you for the grace that we've received through them, and we just speak a blessing over them for being willing to step into the light and talk about Jesus. In your name, Lord, amen.